Welcome to the Media Navigators podcast, brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker, and I'm the Chief Executive. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the two co-head judges for the World Media Awards. It's genuinely a great honour to be talking to two people at the peak of their careers. They're both genuinely interesting and very funny. You might There might be people questioning why the World Media Awards are happening now, um, with so much happening in the world uh, with the pandemic and COVID. But in reality, I think it's actually even more important. The creative industry is in, has been hit really hard, like at many other industries, um, with redundancies, people on furlough, but the people who have been left behind to continue making business happen, they are naturally... Um, creative people who like working together. So working um, in lockdown has been intensely difficult and to have been able to create um, incredible, compelling, engaging campaigns under those circumstances, I think really deserve to be celebrated. Um, The World Media Awards are kind of unique in the way they're designed because they're not, you know, they're extra complicated, they're extra difficult because we're celebrating effectiveness of of campaigns that are not only um, cross-platform, they have to be cross-border, targeting a minimum of three countries and um, involving content-led advertising. so without further ado, I would like to introduce our two amazing head judges. Um, first of all, um, Shula Sinclair, who's the Global Head of Strategy at Spark Foundry. Welcome, Shula. How are you this morning? Hello, Belinda. Thank you. Yes, very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Looking forward to the chat with Brilliant. Fabio. <laughs> And, uh, well, as as Shula just mentioned, our second head judge is Fabio Manconi, um, and who's a partner at Lombard ODA. Uh, Welcome, Fabio. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you, Belinda. Hi, Shula. Very glad as well to be here. Um, Fabio, um, you've had uh, an eclectic career, perhaps is the way I should uh, term it. and very international as well, working in, um, I worked out, is it Milan, Geneva, Paris, Belgium, New York? Um, Rome, don't forget my... And Rome, of course, <laughs> your home country. Um, so you started off um, working in um, FMCG brands, um, moved through into a, a, quite a long spell in luxury and then in 2015, moving into banking with Lombard ODA. Um, What, from the previous careers, did you bring to Lombard ODA? Yeah, it's um, eclectic, but there is uh, a very common thread, if you look at it, because the companies I work for always offer me the chance to work for brand development or business development of really interesting power brands, and they were all premium brands. So um, when I was working in Unilever, I was working for Magnum ice cream, 
which was at the time the most indulgent and premium <laughs> ice cream offering on the market. Uh, in L'Oreal, I worked for Alflor and Lancôme Armani. In Kraft, I was working for Codor. So there is like this real thread of focusing on great uh, brands. I think you know what you what fast moving consumer goods give you. It's a solid skill set. It's a solid toolbox that then you take and bring along across your career. So what I learned was about rigor, research, analysis, which is very, very important. Even when you go into more unstructured businesses like luxury, um, you kind of find your way through in making sense of it all, thanks to the, the structure that you have uh, developed in fast-moving consumer goods. So those 15 years between Unilever Craft and um, L'Oreal have been very fundamental, um, a pillar for my, for my career. Uh, I guess then what you get out of uh, luxury and fashion is um, a, a more sophisticated approach to detail. So the obsession for uh, the detail, more instincts as well. Uh, and then of course the beauty. So the fact that you can uh, couple your approach, which is rigorous and analytical, to an obsession for beauty and detail makes it a pretty interesting, um, complete uh, profile. And all of that then flourishes into a bank, uh, which is Lombardier, uh, where we have you know, a premium brand in uh, wealth management and where the attention to detail is extremely important as much as the rigor of the analysis. So it all comes through pretty much um, together in a way that makes total sense. And, and that, that's, that's where I am today. So were they actively looking for um, a marketeer from outside the banking sector when, when they approached you? Uh, that's interesting. I think what they realized was that there was a compelling need to bring in uh, marketing skills because the Swiss private banking uh, industry had gone through many pretty radical changes and it was needed to position the bank, the banks in, in Switzerland, in a way that was uh, a little bit more clear um, and a little more attractive and compelling and relevant to the target audiences. So they went and looked for somebody. Now they looked for somebody from luxury. And um, because there is an affinity, there is also an affinity in terms of clients, profiles, profiles and audiences. But I, think, I, I think the strength, why it's working, and I'm, I'm really happy to, to, to say it's working here. It's, it's working for me, it's working for them, it's working for the bank and the brand. But it's, um, it is because I had that fast-moving consumer goods base that I think the language and the understanding is uh, it, it's easier. Um, I, I don't think that a pure luxury profile would have worked or would work in the same way into um, into a bank. Mm -hmm. So Shula, almost the same is is true of, of yourself. And I think you you used the word, or perhaps I did, in, when we were. Chatting earlier, you, it was a tangential career, but but you could also say uh, eclectic, and you you started off um, on the creative side of of the business. A short, brief stopover working for a, a, a brand, and then um, moved to the media side of the industry, which I I, I think is relatively 
unusual. What prompted what prompted that change? And and are you pleased you made it? I'm so happy I made the move. I cannot tell you. <laughs> Um, I think uh, as as a person, I am constantly in the pursuit of novelty and change. And I think we're in the business of problem solving. So I think much like Fabio, you develop a toolkit with which uh, you approach any given problem. And actually having the ability to draw upon your experience from another angle of the conversation can prove to be a huge asset. So responding to a media brief with experience of a brand planner does help you look at things a little bit differently and also helps you challenge conventions. Um, So so yes, uh, I would agree that there were certainly... There have certainly been a number of jumps <laughs> throughout my career, but in retrospect, they all seem to make sense because there was something new and different that I could bring to my various roles because of that tangential <laughs> experience that I'd accumulated. Would you say that the media industry is becoming more creative? I mean, I, I kind of think that it had a reputation of being kind of that the, 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 they, they were the people who just ticked boxes. Absolutely. I cannot tell you, even now, I cringe. <laughs> At my very early creative agency days, I remember creative agencies, we used to have the big brand presentation with a big idea. And then when it was media's turn to talk, I I am embarrassed to say I recall picking up my BlackBerry and going through email thinking, well, there's nothing (laughs) I need to get, which is horrific now. And I'm admitting this with complete embarrassment. Um, And to your question of whether media is becoming creative, media is creative. Um, And as technology and data and possibilities emerge and flourish within this industry, it is becoming more and more apparent that brand and media thinking have to converge right from the start. Um, And I'm a big champion of that belief. And Fabio, is that your experience? Do you encourage your, your media and your creative from from the get-go? Totally. I mean, I I think it is a a critical part of the media mix, not just because it's where the money goes, (laughs) but because it is true that there could be a very different impact of a great idea if it is vehiculated in the right channels, the right point, the right time, the right way. So yes, it has to be integrated. It has to be integrated from the very start. And it needs to be a, a key component of a, of, a, of a media and marketing approach. Yeah. Belinda, I love that um, you mentioned that this year, uh, the awards this year include a special section specifically for media strategy yeah. that receives a portion of the score. Um, that's such a wonderful move. And perhaps it will send a signal to the last of the stragglers 
in our industry who, who may not yet have received the memo. Yeah, no, we, we give equal equal weight to the, the media strategy, to the creative strategy in the, in the scoring of, of, of these awards. Um, you've done, you, you've been a judge on a number of occasions, um, or, or all sorts of different uh, uh, awards, um, and you're also on the Film Academy as, as well, Shula. Um, obviously, you you believe that benchmarking work is is important. Um, do you get anything out of it personally? What what? Why do you do? do that because it obviously takes up a lot of your time being a, a judge it is quite demanding of the judges it's completely worth it um we are in an industry that never stands still and no one who operates in marketing can afford for a moment to be complacent and think <laughs> that they've arrived at the answer because the grounds are always shifting so i find that um awards events are fantastic sources of inspiration and also a barometer to sense check the direction of travel that communication strategies are heading in response to changing consumer demands, changing possibilities with media. It's also interesting to see that ideas that were considered so fresh and innovative in 2019 are old news in 2020. It really is. We ha it's a constant game of keeping up. Um, so it's a great privilege to be inspired by the best work the industry has to offer um, within that role. I think, Fabio, when, I, um, when you first agreed to be a judge of this, um, I was um, talking to... Uh, I mentioned it to to somebody, and and they couldn't believe that you had agreed to to be a co head judge because you you were made a, a partner of the bank last year, um, and you know your time is is you know incredibly precious. Um, what persuaded you to that judging would be a good thing to do? Yeah, I think you use the spot. Uh, it's a very selfish uh, decision, uh, honestly. I, I think on one side, I think I think that awards are important, and the celebration of excellence is to be pursued. So I'm, I'm glad that I can contribute. Uh, then there was, of course, the award itself, which attracted my attention and interest. But I feel I feel a little bit like Shula. It, it is a privilege, um, and it is very useful. Um, in uh, in my in my position in my place because you basically have the chance to benefit from an observatory of worldwide insights and uh, and then communication strategies and all of that is united there in front of your eyes without much effort of research because it just comes to you and you can have a look at it broadly and thoroughly so it's it's an amazing nourishment and a stimulate so it's uh, it's great. So we did earlier this year, but in Jan Feb, we did a survey um, among uh, advertisers, agencies and, and media brands um, around the world about what they, uh, how they saw the future of, of content-led marketing. Um, it's an, an annual survey um, that we do. 
and it's always interesting. Um, this year, the, the, when we ask them about what they uh, expect to happen in the future is always an interesting one because obviously what people think are going to happen in the future and what does happen in the future is does not always add up. So, so last year, um, it was all about AR and, and VR and obviously that has not really ever come to fruition. Um, in terms of... Uh, platforms this year everyone is talking about podcasting because obviously we're, we're trendsetters here today um, but thematically what everyone um, was uh, talking about really was around e, um, ESG and, and uh, sustainability um, so to reflect that we have created a new award called the, the award for um, social good um, but obviously there is a concern around um, how to be authentic in, in this particular area with, with literally, uh, I think, 80% um, were um, planning to be talking around sustainability in their marketing. Um, how do you get... get Stand out. How do you get an authentic message through? Um, Fabio uh, Lombard ha- have uh, have long been many years have have been um, uh, aiming to achieve sustainable goals and and talking about it. Um, but what would I think both of you actually? How how would you? Huh, what would you be recommending? Let's start, actually, Shula, let's start with you. How, what would you be recommending your clients to do in, in this area? How, how can you be authentic or, or are the times when people really should be stepping away from it? It's interesting. I, I've, we, we're, we have a live conversation at the moment with one of my clients around um, investing in a social good and purpose-led campaign. And without a doubt, it's authenticity and credibility that is at the heart of this conversation. Um, and my counsel, I guess, would be, feels feels quite obvious. However, I'm going to say it. My advice to any brand would be do the work before you talk about it <laughs> and ensure that your efforts are long-term. And your commitment is deep. Um, my observation, certainly at a for, for brands that are operating within a market, um, my advice is to focus on initiatives that can be felt, that are close to home, that don't feel distant um, and far removed from consumers' day-to-day lives. Um, and also um, my, my third consideration, and this is sort of just off the cuff, would be consider where what your hierarchy of messaging looks like. If you're wearing your cause like a big bandana around your head, then that, that is possibly a little suspect. If your role as the brand within the community communication is enabling, facilitating, um, then then perhaps consumers are more likely to be drawn in. So 
those would be my three criteria off the cuff. And Fabio, so Lombard uh, okay, have been kind of living and breathing this for uh, uh, yeah a, a number of years already. But are, are you going to uh, increase that? Just carry on as you are. Have you, uh, are you going to be changing how you approach it because everybody else is catching up with you? I mean, first of all, I, I totally agree with, uh, with what Shula said. Um, I, I think there is no doubt that sustainability is uh, the number one priority for us all. Um, and when I say us all, I mean us as companies, but people and governments. So there is uh, a, a strong relevance of the, of the subject. Now, the, the difference is that we need to act and not just talk uh, and I think you're, you're right. Authenticity, credibility, truthfulness—it's—it's uh, it's the name of the game. So we we have the advantage, as you mentioned, at Lombardier, that we have like two centuries of of uh, uh, sustainable thinking. Uh, in, and I mean it, like in 1841, Alexandre Lombard, which was one of the founders, actually counseled his clients to disinvest from the U.S. Southern companies because they were relying on an unsustainable business model, which was slavery. So that, that was like just a principle and a fundament of how we think. And, you know, let's be honest too. We don't think of sustainability as just like a do-good kind of approach. We really believe that sustainability is a huge revolution of the economy. And therefore, it's the only way for our clients and ourselves to prosper is to change the way that we invest. So the investment opportunity is huge. And to grab it, you need to embrace a new different way of looking at the economy and the opportunities that it presents. Uh, we have been um, consistently committing to that. We have been the first uh, global wealth and asset manager to be awarded the B Corp certification in 2019. We, in 2007, we signed the UN Principles for Responsible Investment. In 2020, we became signatory of the Principles for Responsible Banking. So we, we are really front stage, both in terms of acts and in terms of thought leadership. It is my bread and butter uh, in terms of positioning of the bank. Uh, we are definitely staying. This is core. Like we, are, we are basically revolving all our business model around sustainability. We are rethinking all our investment portfolios so that they are ESG compliant and more. ESG is just a part of the story. There is much more that it involves the attitude of the management which is governing those companies, the real steps that are transitioning towards the Paris uh, uh, targets agreements. So there is a lot that needs to be done and we want to be uh, definitely front stage in it. So, yes, we, we Fabio, are... Fabio, Fabio, may I ask, out of curiosity, that sounds amazing and what a fantastic standard to set uh, for Lombardier. Do you... Sorry, forgive me, Belinda, because you're the... <laughs> But I'm just curious, the strategist, don't we? Do you, do you wrestle with how much you communicate your strategy or the balance of your initiatives versus your brand in your communications and content? I have a, I have a very strong advantage is that the brand 
the way I reposition it, and it's based on a credible and authentic storytelling that comes from the 200 history and heritage that we have, re relies on a simple payoff, a signature line, which is rethink everything. So for me to take sustainability as the most important subject to be rethinking about has been pretty consequential. And, and, uh, and it works very, very well, but slowly the rethink everything has become rethink investment, rethink sustainability. In the next campaign, we're gonna rethink nature. So there is, there is a, a constant approach. If I may, if I may uh, highlight the, the difficulty in this is how to make an extremely complex thematic, which can go from simplistic to highly technical and make it in something which is both a great promise, but with a strong reason why. And that, that you know, encapsulate that in, a, in an ad with all the digital uh, support that you can have. But that's the, the key challenge for people like us, you know, in the, the creative and media industry. So that's that's the real thing in the campaign is how do I distill the idea and then I make it understandable, but also like supported by really complex PhD uh, technical approaches behind the investment strategies. When we first approach you to be judges, we ask you both to uh, fill out little questionnaires about about your approaches. And <clears throat> but uh, there, there was both of you talked about um, in terms of what you were looking for. You know, Shula and no, Fabio, you you were talking about it, that you wanted it uh, to teach you something, um, and Shula, you were talking about something. Um, you're hoping to be surprised. So it, it's. Um, oh, I, I guess in, in innovation, create creativity, something a little different, but also being able to, um, Fabio, particularly you were talking about, um, you know, business value, connecting with the customer and, and business value. Um, what would be really helpful, I guess, for the, our listeners who who I'm hoping all of them are going to think about um, entering fabulous work into the awards is if you could give a, a few tips on um, what you mean by that, you know, what, what are you really hoping to draw out to, to, to when you're judging? Um, so um, an observation, an observation that I've made over the years, my many, many years um, is when it comes to awards entries, Often, often you can categorize or, or broadly categorize the ones that have are tackling an enduring consumer insight in a new way, or the ones that have uncovered something completely new because they set out to understand consumers in a different way that unlocked something completely different. Um, and my advice to anyone filling in an entry would be, where is your center of gravity in your response? Because if the insight is a category insight that the industry has been tackling for years, convey it <laughs> and move on. Don't try and persuade me <laughs> that, that, that you've come up with it. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, if the magic of the work you've done 
is what you are bringing that is new to the table and the impact that's had, then then please give it all the attention um, and romance uh, that it needs and vice versa. And Fabio, what are your top tips? Yeah, I mean, for me, like the, the winning entry is one that is capable of uh, proving and arresting creative power, because I think that's the, the, the striking part of it. And then also show and demonstrate the effectiveness of, the, of that strategy. Um, so the effectiveness has to be uh, shown across platforms and throughout the marketing mix consistently. Um, you know, was the work capable of, uh, you know, changing a, a, a behavior amongst the target audience? Um, did it lead to commercial impact? So the, the substantiation of that engagement from the audience and those business results, I think it's uh, it's very important. So strong creative power, and then what is the what is the impact basically? Uh, but yes, you, you mentioned before that uh, on, on a more personal note, what I what I what I really hoping to take out from here is something that I can learn, because there is so much going on, as Shula also pointed out before, that there are so many interesting approaches that can be uh, leveraged. Uh, but the entry has to be really really strong in those two two dimensions. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, um, I am not a judge. Uh, however, I have sat through um, many judging panels in my time. So I, I would add two, two things to that, if you forgive me. Uh, one is, is remember that the judges are people and they've got to read lots of different submissions. So make sure it's written well. Um, write it like a story. Um and another one which we do see from time to time is um, make sure that the results match the challenge. Um, so if you've set out certain specific, you know, KPIs at the beginning in the challenge, make sure that the results actually speak to that challenge. Um, we do quite regularly get submissions where, where the results really are, are, you almost feel like they're for, for a different campaign completely. So from a, a, a non-judge's perspective, those are my two top tips. Um, I would also like to make, uh, make it, uh, remind everybody that the entry deadline is not until May the 20th. So you've still got lots of time to enter um, we do have a slightly different approach to our awards. So it's really worth going and having a look at the website at, at the details because work that you might not consider entering into other um, awards may well do very well in the World Media Awards because they are structured differently. So do please have a look at the website. Um, and with that, I would really like to thank Fabio and Shula for giving up their time today. I'm really looking forward to working with you both and sitting on the judging. Um, and so thank you very much, Fabio, for joining us. Thank you, Belinda. In bocca lupo to all of those that will uh, uh, provide entries. <laughs> and thank you, Shula. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to this conversation. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.
The World Media Group is an alliance of leading international media organizations that connects brands with highly engaged, influential audiences in the context of trusted and renowned journalism. I'm delighted to have as members the Atlantic, BBC News Global, Bloomberg Media, Business Insider, The Economist, Forbes, Fortune, Financial Times, National Geographic, New York Times, Reuters, Time Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, and The Washington Post. It is a great honor to work with all of them. Thank you.